Welcome to Category 5 Technology TV. They're back. Yay! Nice to see you. And uh, this week, we've got a great show for you. We looked at these great headphones last week. Yes. Jeff, you had some great questions. I did. One of them was, what formats does the micro SD card slot support? Right. We're going to actually tackle that tonight and answer that question. Also, we have a stream deck here. And if you're not familiar with it, it allows us to do things like zooming in and zooming out. But it is basically a fully programmable um, hotkey system that supports up to 210 hotkeys. It's amazing. If my math is correct, 210 buttons. Wow. Right there. And we're going to show you how you can set that up. And we've got uh, more information about the Stream Deck for you tonight. Stick around. We've also got viewer questions. And it's going to be a jam-packed show. Lots going on. We're going to have a lot of fun. Stick around. We'll be back. This is Category 5 Technology TV. Our live recordings are trusted only to solid-state drives by Kingston Technology. Revive your computer with improved performance and reliability over traditional hard drives with Kingston SSDs. Category 5 TV streams live with Telestream Wirecast and Nimble Streamer. Tune in every week on Roku, Kodi, Plex, and other HLS video players. For local showtimes, visit Category5.tv. Category5.tv is a member of the Tech Podcast Network. If it's tech, it's here. Cat5.tv slash TPN and the International Association of Internet Broadcasters. Cat5.tv slash IAIB. You know, Sasha, if you're going to act silly while we're reading that, you can't knock over the standee. He was That's standing only too rule. close to me. Yeah, really. Don't I stand really. so. Hey, welcome to the show. It's episode number 567. <laughs> can you guys believe that Goodness. we're here? I can. Wow. Yes. And this is an exciting week uh, because it's like vacation week next week. I know. So well, it was vacation week for me last yeah. week. And then for you, it's this Yep, this coming. Um, so next week's show is going to be pre-recorded. So if folks watch, there is a brand new exciting show coming next week but it is going to be pre-recorded because i'm yes. going to be sitting around a campfire so am i oh yeah yeah we're going camping next week as well nice. no way yes why am i working because hey, you took you vacation had, last week yeah you had last week off my friend it was epic how have you been it's so nice to have you here hey i want to say thank you so much for your support over the past little while uh it is uh well tonight as we record this episode it's the first of august and the bills are paid Sweet. We're all volunteers here, folks, so your contributions really, really help us to be able to do what we do and to be able to keep on top of things. For example, buying things through our affiliate links. Yes. If you go onto our website, category5.tv, click on support us, and then there's shop with our partner. I know. See, I'm getting the look right now. It's really easy. Because I made a purchase today and completely brain farted on using the affiliate link. Oh, did you? I did. Oh, I, but now you understand how it oh, works. I, I trust me. I know how it works. I've spent many dollar bills oh, thanks, using man. affiliate links. But just this one dime. You know what's neat about it, though, Jeff? What? You're going to make that purchase anyway. You made the purchase anyway. I did. So all you have to do is just, if you go through that link, a portion of the sale goes to supporting Category 5 TV. Exactly. Yeah. It's, a, it's like that. That's it's all there is to it. Easy peasy. So. I, I can do it. I can't. <laughs> No. Unfortunately, <laughs> I wish I could, but it's against the terms of use. Well, you could if you order through me. That's 
that's sneaky. And if yes. we now reference this episode ever. Yeah, we have to delete that and we'll talk after the show. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just ruining it all tonight. I know, right? I know. Um, <laughs> so in case you're new here, I'm Robbie. Hi. I'm Jeff. I'm Sasha. <laughs> She's like, I want to talk. I want to talk. Me next. No, no, me, me next. Me. Uh, and we are uh, volunteers here at Category 5 TV and love being here. And uh, after 567 weeks of this, yeah. uh, we're still having a blast. And tonight is no exception to that. Uh, we've got a great show. Jeff had some great questions about this uh, set of headphones from uh, Power Locus. Last week. Yes. Yeah, last week. We're going to look at those again very briefly this week just cool. to answer one of those questions. Good. Um, also, we've got that stream deck. Um, which uh, we're going to be looking at tonight, and we. I have no need for this questions. at home, but I like. I want this at home. You wait, and you'll understand in a few few minutes' time what this is all about, um, and how we use it in our broadcast here. Um, big news this week! Did you hear that Hawaii has bit, uh, outsold Apple? Yes, in the smartphone market. No yeah. way, really? So, yeah, they're yeah. number two. So iPhones have been bumped off of the top two, and they've been there for years. Mm -hmm. Samsung's been number one consistently, Apple number two. Now, all of a sudden, Chinese manufacturer Hawaii has taken over the number two spot and bumped Apple far into the right. third spot. But Apple was number one at one point. I'm fairly certain, like Several, years ago. It must have been years ago. Yeah, years ago. And then yeah. Samsung came in when Android started to grow in popularity. Mm -hmm. um, but now the fact that they're number three, soon I bet you you're going to see that they're number four because they just don't stay current. They uh. stick to their niche market. I think the, the problem to me about Apple phones and devices in general is that they, they practice planned obsolescence and they try to tell the consumer what they want rather right. than listening to the consumer and hearing what they want. Right. So, yep. And that's what I like about Android smartphones and things is that there's uh, you know, a lot more flexibility there and mm -hmm. you know, a lot more features. Um, but that aside, Xiaomi is number four now. Yes. So this is another Chinese manufacturer. Uh, Oppa, who I've never dealt with, uh, is number, is, rounds out the number five mm -hmm. spot. Um, so that's three from China. Well, Four, if you include Apple from China, because mo most of the manufacturing, that's right, yeah, I believe still happens there, um, and then Samsung from North Korea or South Korea, South Korea, yeah. South Korea, <laughs> South Korea. <laughs> not from North yes, Korea, yes, not, no. not, not yet, yeah, they're yeah. working on that, they're working on that. That's awesome though, <laughs> like good for them. Show me, make some really cool devices. I've never used any of their devices. They make a pretty good bang for the buck. Um, alternative, I would say, to like a high-end Samsung phone. They also okay. make some lower-end stuff, but sure. you can get okay. something that's equivalent to the high-end Samsungs for uh, a couple hundred bucks cheaper. Really? Oh, show me. So. That's all right. Yeah. yeah. So right. I guess it's no, no surprise that they're working their way up the top five. One, oh, of course, One day yeah. maybe we could have it on the show and you could show me. Ha-ha! <laughs> <laughs> ha ba dum Oh, Jeff. Yes? You owe the viewers an apology. Wh what did I do now? That's right. You owe them two apologies. What? Last week, you came down on the XU4 like as if it had bad networking. No, no, no. Like no, no, as no. If, hey, I got a faulty device. That's not from what I said. Odroid. I just said I can't figure it out. I have gone over everything and I can't figure so it out. So are you admitting that it may not be the Odroid, but it might be you? Oh, absolutely. Because it's you. Of course it's me. So you I, But that's what I'm saying. I couldn't figure it out. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> I don't owe anybody an apology. It's, it's cool, my baby. 
So, okay, you, what did I do wrong? You made it sound like the networking on this baby wasn't working. No, so legit, it wasn't working. I plugged it into my network at home. Yes. I fired it up. Right. Now, it was slow to boot. Like, it kind of hung up there on the bootloader. And so I yes. started wondering, I wonder if the SD card is either faulty or maybe has a compatibility thing. I mean, this is 128 gig. What is this? It's a micro SD. No, I know. But is it like off name? Like um, not I don't know. It doesn't have a brand name on it. Regardless, I kind of at first suspected, hey, maybe it's got a bad SD card. Right. But then it finally booted. And I had full networking and everything. Hmm. So I saw it in my DHCP table. I SSH to it. And I accepted hmm. the certificate. I logged in as root with Odroid as the password. Right. Right. I did a pseudo um, apt update. And so it got the list. And then overnight, I ran a dist upgrade for you. And it, it upgraded the whole operating system. So then what could have been my issue at home? Because... Like, I tried going in to find all this stuff. It was coming up with nothing. And at one point, my network was seeing it, but then it wasn't seeing it. And I switched... Um, when you say your network was seeing it, how was my it? My router. Seeing it? Like, it so was showing it, was it showing up, up there. the DHCP pool? Yeah. And, yeah. But then uh, it disappeared. Yeah. And so I swapped out the cable that I was using and wondered, okay, maybe it's the, the bad cable. cable. Yeah, the yeah. network cable. And I used the one that I've been mining uh, cryptocurrency yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, you mentioned that. So the, you know but that there was still nothing. No. So, so what did I do wrong then? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I really don't know. Uh, but, I mean, it's possible that your router was dishing out... Like, uh, what, how did you try to connect to it? Like, what... Did you SSH like, to I, the IP address? No, I, I, had, um, I had it plugged into my TV. Like, I used the HDMI cable, yeah. so I'm looking at it up on the screen. I'm booting it on. I it was all right there, like the device, TV, oh. network cable. And was it flashing lights? Flashing lights, everything. Because I was using it, like the device itself worked. Yeah. Because I was able to use my, um, the controllers for the, the RetroPie. Was, like I had them hardwired in. The only reason I found that the internet wasn't working is when I went to put in the wireless dongle to do an update. Yeah. That's when I realized, oh, I've got no internet. So I have no clue what I've done or what's wrong with my system at home, but it's not recognizing what's active. It makes no sense to me. So I've been pulling my hair out for weeks. So <laughs> plugging it into my network at home worked. You say Wi-Fi dongle. This isn't Wi-Fi, is it? No, no. Sorry, I meant Bluetooth. This is Bluetooth. Okay. Yeah. Um, so you're plugging in Ethernet. Yep. Uh, try a different port on your router. Yeah, I it doesn't do that. really make sense because you're plugging it into where the miner was plugged right. into. Right. But if you have like a bad DHCP table, restart your router. Okay. Just to see that maybe, maybe, maybe it's holding on to an old lease that is conflicting somehow. I don't know, Jeff. It's an anomaly, my friend. For me. Your well, XU4 was screaming fast and worked really, really well. I'm glad it worked for you. I appreciate that. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> but I don't owe anybody an apology. I, did. I didn't bash the Odroid. I just you said it wasn't working. You kind of made it sound no. like Ethernet wasn't working. So I'm wondering if the device itself is actually just toast. Folks, <laughs> get your votes in by way of comments. So just below, sure. did Jeff last week on episode right. number 566, did he make it sound like his Odroid had a bad network? All of a sudden, I'm so grateful I was not here for episode 566. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you missed out on some fun. You missed out on some fun. Mm. Uh, for those of you who aren't familiar with it, it's like a Raspberry Pi mm -hmm. alternative, but it has eight cores. It's fast. It's got oh, two, screaming two fast. gigs of yeah. RAM. It's got uh, HDMI output, gigabit Ethernet, true gigabit Ethernet, yes. I should say. Yep. And uh, they're great. I mean, the Ethernet works and everything. 
It and really I did. Has. I did find that the Retro Pi ran the games a lot faster yes. than on the Raspberry Pi. I can't wait to see that. I know. Mm. We do have to take a really quick break. Last week, we were looking at these great Power Locus headphones, and Jeff raised the question, well, what file formats can they play? Because it's got a micro SD card reader. Ooh, you found the answer. Well, I don't know. We're going to find the answer tonight. Excellent. Stick around. Cool. For a limited time, get your hands on limited edition shirts from the Category 5 TV network. These high-quality shirts are manufactured by Teespring, a fundraising website, and your purchase will help support the shows we produce. Get yours today and send us your pictures to be featured on the corresponding show. Visit cat5.tv shirts to support us and get your official network shirt today. cat5.tv shirts. Welcome back. This is Category 5 Technology TV. Now, Sasha, you were away last week, but we got a great look at these Power Locust headphones. We put them on the dummy head so we could hear how they sound. And it sounded great. And they sound great. I mean, these, for the price, are exceptional. But one of the things that I love about these, so these are obviously wireless, right? Pretty. Watch episode number 566 if you're curious about them. Uh, but they, being wireless, also have a built-in FM radio, which is, it works all right okay. um, it's you know what what yeah. fm radio works perfectly anymore i don't Fair know enough. but what i love about it what fm radio is not what sold me on these headphones <laughs> bluetooth 4.2 edr is and the fact that it has a built-in micro sd card reader so if you don't have your phone handy or you don't want to use your phone's battery you put an sd card in there full of your music so this would be great on a flight perfect on a flight yeah, yeah. yeah. if they say turn off your wireless devices Pop in an SD card or just keep it in there. You can switch between FM radio, SD card, and Bluetooth just with the push of a button. So easy quite nice. But Jeff asked the question... What file formats? What file formats does it support? And, of course, I didn't know the answer because I didn't have... These, uh, it's not in the specifications, surprisingly. Right. Um, so and it wasn't on the box or anything? It like wasn't was any... Nothing. You saw the box. It was, it was in bubble wrap, and it yeah. was in the case that they provided. It may have been in the instructions. I didn't think to ever read the instructions. <laughs> Does anyone ever read the instructions? <laughs> oh, why didn't I think goodness. of that? I do. This is why I need oh, to be on goodness. the show. But we're going to do something even cooler tonight. Ooh, okay. So what I did just before the show, Jeff, to answer your question, is I sat down and I recorded an audio clip of me for every file format that Goldwave supports. <laughs> <laughs> and I created a new repository on GitHub, so you can use this for your devices to test compatibility with various <laughs> file formats. If you go to github.com slash cat5tv slash audio test, so here are the file formats that I created, Jeff. Are you ready for this? I think that's a yes. <laughs> A-I-F- wow. AIFC, AIFF, AU, FLAC, IFF, M4A, MAT, MP3, MP4 video, just because you had that very random question of will it play video. Well, I, yeah. No, I don't expect so. I, I don't Not either, but I didn't know if it would play the audio from Their it. Their headphones, weirdo. <laughs> uh, okay, after MP4, we've got 
I made a OG file. Uh, I made an SD, SDS file. We're getting into obscurity. SMP, SND from back in the day. Goldwave can even save a text what? of audio. Yeah, and I was like, what the? And so I looked at it, and it's, it's actually uh, like a representation of the audio that you can open in Goldwave or on any other supporting See. player. There's no way in heck. That <laughs> That's the, amazing. The headphones are not going to support this, Jeff. Um, <laughs> but carrying on, I said I would do every format. We've got Voke, we've got Vox, we've got Wave, we've got WMA, and we've got XAC. Okay. Any guesses which ones are going to be supported? I have no... Um. Uh, MP3 for sure. Yeah, I'm wave, saying wave, MP4, wave. wave. Okay, so we've got MP3 and wave. He thinks MP4 video is going to be played by a pair of headphones. Sorry, I, not MP. Sorry, I'm looking at MP4. Um, what else is there? But that's not what I meant. Um, What's the one? Okay. The MAT. Sorry. MAT. I think it'll play MATs. M4As. I was. I'm thinking wave MP3 M4A. That's mm-hmm. what. I, oh, maybe. No, I doubt flack. It would be nice if it played Aug, but really, if it plays mm. MP3, I'm happy. Right. Fair enough. That's yeah. all I care. If it plays MP3, I'm happy. Okay. I've loaded all of those files onto this headset. <laughs> okay, wh- why do I feel like the file itself is something comical? No, it's just me saying this is a WAV file. This is an MP3 uh, okay. file. Okay. I was waiting to be set up for something. <laughs> yeah. No, that, in hindsight... That would have have been been a good idea. (laughs) My kids love it when I replace their music at nighttime. I use a Bluetooth player. Yeah. So I'm in the other room, and all of a sudden it changes to fart sound effects. (laughs) And you just hear them rip roaring in the other room. (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah. Okay. This is an MP3. This is a WAV file. This is an MP3. No way. What? Okay. Now I. You listen. Okay. I heard nothing. Don't say it out loud. This is an MP3. This is a wave file. This is an MP3. Okay? Yeah. All right. Now, Jeff, you might say that you're disappointed. I'm going to say, no, this, this meets every need that I have. This is an MP3. This is a wave file. This is an MP3. This is a wave. What do you think? Really? Really. Huh. That's it. So I said, as long as it plays MP3 files, I'm happy. Right. I, so you're point, happy. Yeah. I'm, at, I'm happy. At one point. What, Should we let them in on what we just heard, or are we just going to let it? In post-process, <laughs> you've already heard. But yeah, it is just WAVE and MP3. Those are the only two formats that play. I'm pretty stoked that huh. I guessed one of them right. Well done. I, I'm shocked that they wouldn't have had more. I'm not, and I'm not disappointed either because MP3 is all I care. Fair enough. Because realistically, now I would have probably liked M4A just to be a little more future ready, but I'm not going to reconvert all my MP3 files to M4A. Right. I tried at one point switching to AUG. I actually went to do that. Like, I want to be open source. I want to be, like, community-minded as best as possible. How painful was that? It just was not worth the time. It was not worth... Like, it did, there was no compatibility out there. It, it's true. And it's a shame, but it is true. 
So the world is still stuck on MP3. Definitely. Even though technically the format is dead, yep. it's no longer supported by the, the people who patented it. Um, it still well, works. <laughs> what's wrong with Wave? Like, I feel, why did that pop up to me? Wave takes a lot more space. Yeah. Because it's okay. lossless. So a Wave file is like a raw audio file from Windows that okay. is, you know, they use them in studios and things because it doesn't lose any quality. MP3 is a compressed format, so okay. you know that 40 megabyte file becomes a three megabyte file. Got right. it. And so it takes up a lot less space. So on my 16 gig SD card, I'm going to be able to fit a ton of CDs in MP3 format. Yes, absolutely. I, I would fit only a fraction of that if it was Wave. Got it. Yeah, that answers the question. Huh. All right, uh, we've got a question that came in from Googly Oogly on YouTubely Boobly. <laughs> nice name. <laughs> How in the world do I change my pencil color in GIMP? A valid question. Hmm. This really put me in my place. Because it's an honest question where, and it was commented on one of our beginner guides to GIMP. Right. When I realized, oh my goodness, we have never taken it down to the basics. To that simple. Right. Like, and and, I, and I, I say that in absolute recognition of hey you've never used it before how do I, why do i expect that you know this right that's Should like I me that you know Th this? this is me in a nutshell yes okay so, so it's almost like we need to have like beginner 101 classes well and this is i beginner ought to teach zero, beginner zero, 101 zero. classes because then i could learn them <laughs> as i teach them this is good i just happen <laughs> to have gimp 2.10.4 coming up on my laptop here it comes nice screen they got rid of they got rid of the uh, wolf though. Is that what he was? I used to, uh, I thought he was a wolf. I used to love seeing that wolf when it loaded. Okay, so let's get right into the very very basics. It changes with every version. Jeff. I know, but still. Okay, so first of all, I'm going to create a new file. This is going to give me a canvas to work with. Um, we're working in pixels, and if I want a 1080p file, so say this is something that I'm going to be using as a desktop wallpaper, that's going to be fine, 1920 by 1080. Hit OK, and there is my canvas. Now, you see that it's a little bit of a blue color. That's because my background color is actually this kind of tinted blue. So I'm going to show you how to change your foreground color for your paintbrush and tools like that, and your background color. So over here, I'm going to click on the color there. See how I just kind of clicked on the square that's in the background? And I can change my background color to any of the colors of the rainbow. With something like 11.6 million colors, right? Uh, if you have the RGB number, uh, you can enter that up here. RGB. If you have um, the, hexa, uh, the HTML notation, you can enter that here. Like white is FFFFFF. Or if you want red, it would be FF0000, right? Cool. So if you have that notation or if you know that. Um, or you can just drag. So find your spectrum here. Remember, I'm working with the background. So if I find, say, some green and I find like a deep green here and then I hit OK, now my background is this deep green color. And if I right click and go edit fill with background color, now that's the color of my canvas. But what I want to do is I want to actually fill it with white. So let's see if my foreground is white right now. It's not. It's fee, 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 which is just a little bit of a gray white. So I'm going to go see what I did there. I'm just dragging this tool here, right. which takes me right into the corner up here. And that gives me full white. 
So now if I right click and go edit fill with foreground color, now it's completely white. So now if I change my background to my foreground and my foreground to my background by clicking on this little arrow up here, now my foreground color is green. And again, I can change that any way I like. So say I want it to be like an orange color. So I can go over here to the, to the spectrum and then bring it up into the orange that I want and then grab my tool which is going to be working with, uh, with the foreground color. So this is a painting tool, but you see that it's quite large. Um, so what I can do is I can actually change the size by dragging here or entering a number. So now watch. See how I've now taken that down to six? So I can change that to be a little more, you know, like a pencil. And there is a pencil tool too. So you can grab that. And it looks like that. And it operates very much the same way. You can change the size, and that will change the actual brush size of your, your pencil. Okay? So I think that that answers the question at hand. The next thing that you'll want to learn how to do, so if I fill this in with white again, uh, so fill with background color now, and then I'm going to select none because I just select it all because I, I do that out of habit. Watch what I can do here. I'm going to go right-click and layer and then new layer. And then I'm just going to say, okay, leaving this as a transparency layer. So here's the fill with. We're just going to leave that transparency. Okay. Now I have this kind of layer here and I've got my white background layer. So on this empty layer, I can now do my drawing. Okay. So I'm not going to actually draw anything. I'm just using a touchpad on my laptop, but just to show you. Now, if I turn off the background layer, you can't really see it, but it's still there. So now what I can do is I can actually change the background color. Let's use something like a, a pink fuchsia and fill that in. And the orange stays, the, stays where it was because it's on its own layer. See that? Ah. So I'm highlighting the layer that I want to work with and then changing that layer however I want. So in a case where, you know, I'm drawing a person or whatever, this is really starting to look like SpongeBob. <laughs> <laughs> like an evil one. Okay, so say that's what I did. But I, I wasn't happy with it. Now I can actually just turn off that layer or start again. Or, you know, once you've created something where you've got layers upon layers, I think about like you've drawn the body and then you create another layer for the eyes and you're not quite happy with the eyes so you can scrub them out mm -hmm. without right. affecting all the other layers. Yes. If that's what you wanted to do. So tonight we've covered kind of creating our canvas, changing our foreground and background color, plus changing the color of our actual canvas background and creating layers so that we can add things on top of that. Can you have as many layers as you want? You can. You can have an infinite number of layers on the GNU image manipulation program. So here, now if I wanted to make the body separate, I could create yet another layer. And okay. And then start working on the bod. Alright. <laughs> yeah, Alright. Look at me. I'm an artiste. Don't know where my daughter gets it from. It is not from me. Uh, so now I can turn off the body layer or I can oh. turn off the head, head layer. And I can, in fact, name these, Sasha, just by double-clicking. And I can call this head, body, so that when I get really going, I don't get confused which is which. Right. So now I can also t do things like, hey, let's fill in that head. So let's use the magic wand, touch it, and then right-click and fill with a different color. So let's pick a different color here. Yellow. Let's make it yellow. Because it's SpongeBob, right? Okay, yeah. <laughs> edit, fill, and see what I've done there. Yeah.
really, Such really gel. sloppy. I know, I know, but there's his head. Right. And his square pants. No, not really. Wow. Not really. But it's about what we learned here, <laughs> not the artisticness <laughs> of my drawings. I thank you. That's the GNU Image Manipulation Program, also called the GIMP. Uh, you can get it for free at gimp.org. And thanks again to Googly Oogly for calling us on the fact that we haven't really touched on those real basics. I'd encourage you, if you have some basic questions, please send them in to us, and we will approach them um, just like this. And I'll, I'll mm -hmm. gladly, we'll gladly teach you um, what we are able to teach. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. That's what we're here for. We're here to share what we know. It's Thank all about you. the education. That's it. That's it. We do have to take a really quick break. When we come back, we're going to be taking a look at the most incredible hotkey device that has ever been devised. I'm talking the hotkey device of our dreams. Yes. Stick around. Whether you shop on ThinkGeek, GearBest, B&H Photo Video, eBay, or Amazon, or even if you want a free trial of Audible, you'll find the best deals and support the shows we produce by simply visiting the shopping sites you already frequent by using the links on our website. Visit Category5.tv slash partners for the full and ever-growing list and help us create more free content like this show. Thank you for shopping with our partners, and thank you for watching. Welcome back. This is Category 5 Technology TV. Now, as broadcasters, we love making it easier for oh, yeah. us to switch camera angles. Don't you think, Sasha? I think so. I absolutely, absolutely agree. And Totally. Part of that process, especially in a studio like this, or if you are webcasting from home or any, you know, any type of scenario where you need to be able to switch now, having something like this device is just amazing. Right. Now, full disclosure, we have a broadcast system that is Telestream Wirecast powered. Right. This is only a controller. So this will control anything. Right. But it is not a camera switcher. We make it look like a camera switcher right. because that's the buttons that I programmed in. Sasha might want this on the desk at work and turn this into all of the buttons that you use in your chiropractic software. For example, you might want this on your computer at home so that you can, all of your video editing or Ooh. anything else that you do, you can program every single button on here to do anything that you want. So maybe I do need it at home. I need mm -hmm. it too. So I'm going to actually push a button here to get in a little bit closer so that I can show you the stream deck. So this is what it looks like to us tonight. So we have camera shots for all of us, and we have a wirecast button down here that allows us to start and stop recording, start and stop broadcasting, and even turn on and off our computer monitor that we use to be able to see uh, ourselves. And then I can just navigate. Did you notice, Sasha, that when I push the Wirecast button, yeah. it brings up a folder? Oh, 
12. Right? See that? I've programmed it to bring up a folder. We're going to actually be looking at that in a moment. I'm going to push the wide shot, and you're going to see how it switches back to our normal camera. And it's instant. It is instantaneous. We've used Bluetooth devices, keyboards, and things like that in the past to we do camera switching. We had the foot pedals for a while. Yeah, and mm-hmm. it just, there's a delay. Yes. And it, it, sometimes you've got to push it two or three times. Not the case here. But you also notice on my Wirecast button, it has a Wirecast logo. Mm-hmm. And I'm eventually going to go through, and the Robbie button is going to have a picture of me. Sasha's button is going to have a picture of her. And it's going to make things a lot easier for me to okay. be able to look down and know what I'm pushing. Instead of seeing the robotic like, the, the Minecraft is just, faces. Yeah, it's just a, a robot-looking thing. Um, so let's get a look hmm. at how I actually set this up. And just keep in mind, I, I do want to circle back to the folder Right. Okay. So, um, so basically, this is our Telestream Wirecast system with the Stream Deck software up on the screen. And all I want to do is I just want to drag a hotkey onto there. And you see in the live camera view that it instantly creates it. I'm going to create one called Robbie. And look at me down in the bottom there on Telestream Wirecast. Mm-hmm. I've assigned Stream Deck to Control T. So now in Telestream Wirecast, I simply want to match that up. So I'm going to go into Preferences, and in my keyboard shortcuts, I'm just going to create one for Robbie. It, you can call it whatever you want. And the hotkey is going to be Control-T, or Shift-T, pardon me. Now, I assign that to my shot. And if I click on any other shot, now watch what happens. I'm going to go and actually push um, the button on the stream deck. And watch the yellow grid that goes around my image. Watch. There. See that? As soon as I push the button, that yellow border goes around the, the shot, showing that it is now the active shot. So next up, what I would probably want to do is start programming all of my different shots in Telestream Wirecast to be compatible with the Stream Deck. And it's really that simple. You just have to assign a key and, uh, and then assign it to the Stream Deck. So I'm going to assign um, Shift-I as my uh, standby button. And I'm making that global. You see that? So if Wirecast is not in the foreground, it's still going to work. So I assign that to the shot for standby. And then back at the Stream Deck, I create another hotkey. See how it popped up there instantly? And this is just our standby. And Shift-I. And now it's done. It's assigned. So now, if I go back to Telestream Wirecast, and I'm just going to jump back to the Stream Deck here, push that button, see the yellow border? Push my button. There's the yellow border moving down to my shot. Push it again, and it bounces around instantaneously. Now. There's something else that's really, really cool about the Stream Deck and Telestream Wirecast and how it can work together, and that's that Telestream Wirecast has some hotkeys assigned automatically by default to things like recording. See that? Um, Or in our case, uh, maybe we want to create a button that is for turning on the broadcast. There you go. So now we can grab, we know Control-B, so let's, let's do that. So I'm going to create a new button here for a hotkey. And this is going to be, oh, let's make it a hotkey switch. And now it's going to show if we're live or not when we toggle that button. So I'm going to call this uh, broadcast. And then assign the key for both key 1 and key 2. It's going to be the same thing. We're just pushing it once and then again. Now, we don't have to assign that. Oh, I just have to. Okay, so what I'm doing here, 
just so you know. So you see how I had um, the, uh, I left Wirecast in the background, yes. and then I had the, um, the editor in the foreground, and I right. pushed the button. The reason for that is because I'm not currently broadcasting. Right. So I want the icon to be in the off position. In right. the off state. Right. So now when I go back to Telestream Wirecast and I push that button again, watch up at the top, a little bit to the left, not quite the middle, when I push that. See that broadcast icon lit up? Mm-hmm. Now if I push it again, it's going to wrap up the stream and there it's off. Oh, okay. See that? And on the switch, on the button on the stream deck, the icon changes from off to on and uh, I can visually see that I'm broadcasting or not. So you can understand, like, you're able to just program anything that you want with this. Let's look at the folders now, Sasha. I said this is important to me. Let's create a new folder for this, and we're going to actually call this Wirecast. It's so easy. Like, this took me five minutes to figure out, and I didn't look at the manual. <laughs> I can now browse for an icon, and I'm going to just jump into my resource folder in Telestream Wirecast's installation folder, and I can, cre I can create an icon on the, not just on the screen, but on the actual screens that are buttons. Like we're talking about 15 little screens that are touch buttons. And each one can be individually and dynamically changed. So I'll just use the Wirecast icon. I think that looks good. Watch how quickly, see how it changed up on the camera? Now, if I push that button, the Wirecast button, it opens the folder, and now I've got the broadcast or not broadcast. Watch the broadcast icon in Wirecast as I do that. Right now I'm broadcasting and switching cameras. Go back. Let's turn off the broadcast and watch. There, it's off. See that? How cool is that? Now, with the folders, Sasha, mm -hmm. I said that I, I really love the folder feature. Right. There are 15 buttons on the Stream Deck. Mm -hmm. 15 buttons, and each one can be a folder. Okay? Cool. So we've got 14 sub-buttons on every single one of those 15 buttons. We're talking wow. a cumulative total of basically this thing has 210 active hotkeys. It's amazing. If you code it that way. That's incredible. Nobody probably needs that many, but consider I can have one for Wirecast that's a button for Wirecast. I can have one for Office Suite. I can have one for whatever. But then take it one step further, I can create profiles in the program that controls the Stream Deck. Right. And each profile I can assign to a different application. So as soon as I open Wirecast, it automatically loads the Wirecast profile into the Stream Deck. As soon Ooh. as I open Atlas, it loads the Atlas um, profile into the screen. Onto I the stream love deck. That cool. Incredible. Idea. So it's really unlimited. Now, if 15 buttons is too much for you, so you look at this and you think, okay, this this is really really great for a broadcaster like Robbie, and we'll get into focus there. 15 buttons, 200 and 210 active hotkeys in folders. Maybe it's too much for you. Now they have just released the Stream Deck Mini, which we also carry, and the Stream Deck Mini has only six buttons. Okay. So six with five in the subfolders. So you're looking at 30 active hotkeys. That's okay. more than enough for uh, your desk at home or, or whatever it is that you're doing. So you have to check out Stream Deck. I'm. I, I have to say I'm entirely pleased with this, Jeff. You've oh, yeah. seen it for two weeks now. Yeah, it's been amazing. As a companion to Telestream Wirecast. 
it's been fantastic and you can see how we've utilized it there it's instantaneous camera switching for us but it's not limited to broadcasting so i want to stress even though it's called the stream deck even though i am using it as a streaming interface because i can program any of those buttons to do anything that i want within windows 10 or mac os um, i have no limitations on what it's capable of so that's it's really cool. just my own creativity. The question will come in, is it compatible with Linux? Uh, unfortunately, at this point, not yet. And that's because the driver software has to be loaded on the computer, and it's only available for Windows and Mac. However, uh, I did notice that somebody is working on a Node.js uh, interface for it so that it will become compatible with Linux eventually, but it's not there yet, right. and it's unofficial. Um, so it's not like something that you program and plug in and it's going to work on any computer. Mm -hmm. It's something that the driver is actually running on my Telestream Wirecast computer and when I plug it into the Telestream Wirecast computer it loads and connects and allows me to interface with it. I'm glad you mentioned that because as you were going through the presentation uh, Lichen in the chat room happened to notice that you had a very weird looking version of Linux on your screen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well Telestream Wirecast requires either Microsoft Windows or uh, Mac OS. Right. We don't we don't do Mac here, so it had to be a Windows broadcast system that we use. So that's what mm. we're tied to, and so this is a perfect companion for that. So if you have a Windows or a Mac machine, this is a, an amazing interface. Check it out at cat5.tv/streamdeck. And if you come up with any clever ideas for what it can be used for, we would love to hear from you. Let us know. Mm. What do you think? Love it. Love it print that on a t-shirt love it pretty sure it already is that's the mcdonald's t-shirts <laughs> so that's, I'm, that's, I'm, I'm loving it yeah 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 well sasha i'm gonna let you take it away we're gonna jump over to the newsroom all right let's here are the stories we're covering this week in the category 5.tv newsroom amazon has reported record-breaking quarterly profits helped in a rise by online sales and demand for its cloud services Google's sister company, Waymo, has announced a trial in which its self-driving cars will ferry shoppers to and from nearby Walmart stores to pick up their groceries. Children could be banned from owning drones weighing more than 250 grams under a new proposal from the Department for Transport in the UK. And a competition helping to drive the development of futuristic hyperloop transport systems have been won by engineering students from Munich. These stories are coming right up. Don't go anywhere. Jeff Weston. Yeah, man. You're building a brand new beautiful website. What? Aren't you? No. Am I? Oh, you're a terrible actor. What? This is where acting comes into play. Oh, I didn't know we were acting. You're supposed to act. Okay, fair enough. All right. I'm building a really cool website. Are you building a really cool website? Just because Jeff is confused doesn't mean you have to be. Visit cat5.tv slash dreamhost to sign up for unlimited web hosting for your website with unlimited email accounts, MySQL databases, the latest version of PHP, WordPress, and more, and even a free domain name registration. It's less than $6 per month, so sign up today. cat5.tv slash dreamhost. This is the Category 5.TV Newsroom, covering the week's top tech stories with a slight Linux bias. 
I'm Sasha Rickman, and here are the top stories we're following this week. Amazon has reported record-breaking quarterly profits helped by a rise in online sales and demand for its cloud services. Profits hit a record $2.5 billion in the three months to the end of June, about 12 times more than it made during the same period last year. Sales rose by 39% to $52.89 billion, slightly less than analysts had been forecasting. In response to the report, Amazon's shares jumped more than 3% in after-hours trades last Thursday. At the firm's lucrative cloud service division, Amazon Web Services, sales were up nearly 50% on year-to-year to $6.1 billion. Amazon is also starting to attract more money from advertising. Revenue from the firm's other category, which includes advertising, more than doubled to about $2.2 billion. Retail sales in North America were healthy as well, rising about 44% to almost $32.2 billion. Recruitment slowed in the quarter. Amazon is also starting to reap the benefits of previous infrastructure investments, allowing for less rapid spending growth. Amazon is expected to account for roughly half of online sales in the U.S this year. Are you kidding me? Half of all 50% yes. of yes. all sales yes. are going to be on Amazon. Which is amazing. And interestingly enough, I read an article today about Jeff Bezos. Is that his? Bezos? Bezos? However you say his last name. He is now worth, uh, I think it was $150 billion, which is 50 times more than was it Bill Gates um is double what Zuckerberg is valued at. Like he's he is nobody in the U.S. has been valued at 150 billion before. That's doing wow. well. That is doing so well. Good. For Something's you. working with Prime. Let me tell okay. you. Oh yeah. <laughs> so I am not surprised because I love Amazon so much. Like I use it all of the time. I don't love to go to the mall. So it makes me think to myself, like, is this the death of the mall? I think a lot of things are death of the mall. Yeah. Like, but but I mean, gonna... it's the fact that Amazon is so diversified. Mm-hmm. That's what that is. And what I'm coming th- even more so. Pharmaceuticals, food. Yeah, like they literally are controlling everything, and it's a great business plan for them. And they've done it smartly. Like a lot of companies, their whole thing is we're just going to go buy this, and we're going to buy that company, and then we're going to take this over, which is wonderful. But then you've got the debt load that comes with purchasing it. Sure. Amazon, while buying certain companies, has done things from the ground up, and they've said right. we want to go into this area, so we're going to create the ability for our company to do that, mm. and inventing it in a way that works for them, which severely cuts down the costs of getting into that market. And then when you've got the brand power of saying, hey, it's Amazon, like they've done a phenomenal job. But yeah, it's, it's going to kill retail. And as Sasha was saying, they've taken a smart approach of <clears throat> invest now, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. grow, reap the benefits later. Right. right. And that's exactly what they're doing. And that's where they are now. They're Unreal. reaping some real But you think about it. So is it the death of the shopping mall? <clears throat> wow. I guess there's, there's a culture to the mall. Right. So, like would it be, but, but it's true that I can't, I can't walk into our best mall here in town and find a men's clothing store anymore that carries reasonably priced men's clothing. Right. And really, it's... Most... It's all, there's very few men's clothing stores left. Well, Most it, of the things that I want, I, 
I wouldn't even know where to look for them yeah. but for Amazon. Right. right. But also, I mean, you take it a step further. You've got, you know, the physical brick-and-mortar stores. But also, I've been seeing a trend of online retailers are moving away from their websites and are now going to posting stores on Amazon because mm. that's where the business is. Mm. They'll take the, the loss of the massive markup of Amazon. Right. But now they're saving on their web fees and all the back end and all the kind of stuff. And then any sales that come through it, Amazon's dealing with the security and the privacy issues. All they have to do is supply their product to Amazon as opposed to dealing with all that themselves. Sure. I mean, think of how many companies just with the UK changes on privacy are probably going, Whew, it's a good thing I'm on Amazon. But, right. but I mean, when you think about that, the fact that everybody's saying, oh, we're just going to go through Amazon, they really are just a hub. That's what they do. You're right. getting the products from somebody else. It's not like it's Amazon's. I mean, there are some right, like Amazon, Amazon products. Right, like Amazon is the mall and there's stores inside sure, of it. Sure, yeah. Right. Yeah. And, but, th- I mean, eBay kind of started that trend. Right. And Amazon just said, that's great, but look what we can do. Right. And did it so much better. Right. And the Foo is even saying Best Buy has an eBay store. Yeah. You know, to, to put the example out there. <laughs> yeah. And it makes I sense. Mean, not to say bad things about Best Buy because I've bought stuff from them before, but on their online store, every single time I've ever bought something, my car has been flagged for fraud. Oh, really? really? Yeah. <laughs> every single time. Best Buy fix that. Lennon <laughs> wants to know, like, what happens to the fitting room? Well, um, really, with Amazon's return policies, I you don't like, oh, yeah, there's something to be said about going in, trying something on, looking in the mirror, saying, oh, yeah, that looks good, or, oh, put that one back and get a medium. Right. But... With Amazon, for example, we bought my daughter a bathing suit, mm-hmm. and we just bought four of them. And right, then, then we return just return what doesn't work. We return the three that... What know. I always have done is check the comments, because the comments, most of the times people are very clear, especially when it's clothing, mm-hmm. on how it fits. So sure. they'll say, I bought a medium, I'm usually a medium, it fits really small. Mm-hmm. Right? And then you yes. know, okay, wait, now I need to change But you got to look, because if it's around Thanksgiving... <laughs> I just like I think to myself I wouldn't if I were going to start out my life as an entrepreneur and I wouldn't think to myself hey I'm going to open a shop mm-hmm. at this point I wouldn't oh, I wouldn't a retail see, shop I would not right. buy like I would not but I might buy I might think, open an Amazon store I would completely sell my things on Amazon mm-hmm. so there's the there it is yeah makes sense right on the flip side, Google's sister company, Waymo, has announced a trial in which its self-driving cars will ferry shoppers to and from a nearby Walmart store to pick up their groceries. For now, the pilot is being restricted to 400-plus members of its early rider program in Phoenix, Arizona. The trial indicates how the tech giant thinks the autonomous vehicle could be deployed if and when they exit the experimental stage. The only word on pricing so far is a promise to offer participants discounts when they order goods via Walmart's online grocery pickup service as part of the deal. The Walmart partnership was rumored after shoppers spotted Waymo marked parking spots outside the store earlier this week in Phoenix, Arizona. Some suggested that the tie-up could offer an alternative to Amazon's Prime Now quick delivery service. The announcement comes two days after Waymo's chief executive tweeted that its cars had driven a total of 8 million miles on public roads, which is double what its tally had been in November. Okay, see that raises uh, unintentionally an interesting point in that, okay, they're trying to compete with the Prime Now service, Mm -hmm. and maybe that would be the death of them all. The, the, if you will, yeah. the capability to get online, order something, and have it there that day. Right. Every time. Right. That could be. So 
retailers like Walmart have to come up with, because they are brick and mortar, mm-hmm. right. we have to come up with a neat way to do this because Sears tried to do an online store. Oh, failed. Did not. Went out of Sears, business. <laughs> Sears is yeah, no Yeah, but it wasn't just because... We're not going to get into the economics of Sears, but no, it but wasn't just the online. It was one of their last-ditch yeah. efforts, I think. And yeah, and yeah, but they did it ten years too late. It's really tough. Like, who goes to Walmart online and buys things on their website now? Well, uh, here's yeah. Without comparing it to Amazon first, okay. So Let's say that. Here's where my immediate reaction is to this story. I think to myself, okay, these way more way mo cars are in Walmart's parking lot. Sure. I'm going to go online at home and I'm going to order something and then that car is going to come get me, bring me back to Walmart. I'm going to pick up the groceries and I'm going to go back to my house. Why can't you just bring me the stuff? Just deliver it? Just deliver it. Why well, aren't you a delivery okay, service? Okay, so take a different I don't get take it. a different spin and say, okay, well they're trying to get in on that like quick, easy, convenient kind of marketplace but mm-hmm. with the brick and mortar aspect, right? Right? So they're not doing the warehousing thing that Amazon's doing. They're trying to make it easier for you. So in Phoenix where, you know, the the transit system is taxed and it's hard to get around, well, isn't it easier to have an autonomous vehicle come to you, pick you up, take you there? Because it's not for somebody like me on their way home from work and, right. you know, I'm not going to do this. But um, a good example that comes to mind is, uh, for example, my daughter. Right. She's 13. Right now, if, if I wanted my daughter to help with the shopping, I'd have to get in the car. I'd have to drive her to the store. We'd do the shop together. Mm-hmm. Here, we could sit down together on the internet do the, or on the app and do the orders. And then I can give her the order and say, okay, see you in a half hour. Right. The car just comes and to the And it will come and get her and it will take her there as hmm. a, like a taxi service. And so there's a convenient way. Well, I guess. The, and and inf- not an infirm person per se, but somebody who can't drive. Somebody yep. who can't, who doesn't right. have dependents taking care of them that can drive them to the store. Right. I I guess. Uh, but why can't I? I just feel like it's wasteful to not it's just not be a delivery. You. Yeah. yeah. Just, it's not for me. In that, yeah. I, I like it, and I I want more of this. I just I feel like I want it to be a delivery service if it's going to already if the cars are already going to mm-hmm. be there i think the value though is there are certain things that you could buy online but just aren't the same as having the ability to get picked up and go grab it i.e like produce mm-hmm. i like if i was to buy a box of oranges on amazon and it shows up say the next day or even say it's same de- same day delivery I can't verify what it is that I'm getting until it arrives as opposed to being brought to the location and then go, sorry, those bananas are too far gone. I want something that's got a little bit of green to it. Right. In Barrie, we have um, a click and... I don't click know what's and called. collect. Click and collect. So you yeah. shop online, you drive to the grocery store, you park in a specific parking spot. And they bring it out to you. And they bring it out to you. But you don't check the produce. Oh, oh I do. Oh, do you? Yep. Cost, yep. It costs like $3. No, really? Our, cl- our yeah, click and collect was so free. doing that. Oh, was it? Yeah. It's so it's super perfect for everybody. I think. Yeah, because oh. you set your time. You say I'm going to be here at this time. You go there, they boom, the it's shopping. all for you. It saves See, you that so much money. Handy for me coming home from work. Right, and it saves you so much money in impulse shopping, which is why I love mm. Amazon because Amazon, I do not impulse shop because oh, I'm not being <laughs> like Amazon bombarded. Amazon tells me what to buy. Exactly, and, uh, and I do <laughs> as I'm told. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> 
Children could be banned from owning drones weighing more than 250 grams under a new proposal from the Department for Transport in the UK. They would only be allowed to fly devices heavier than that if they were owned and registered by an adult. It is the latest in a series of proposals designed to crack down on snooping fears and near collisions with manned aircraft. If approved, it could form part of a draft drone bill. A consultation on the proposals is now underway with the bill due to be published later this year. In an associated report suggests the age limit should be set at age 18 years since many insurance policies are not accessible to those younger. That would still be three years below the minimum age applicants must be um, to be granted an airplane or helicopter airline pilot license. The consultation does, however, suggest that under-18s could operate a drone's flight controls if they are being supervised by an older individual. The UK government has already passed legislation that bans drones from flying at heights above 400 feet and within one kilometre of airport boundaries, and based on new rules that took effect on Monday, pilots caught breaking these rules could face unlimited fines or up to five years in prison. Unlimited fines. How do you unlimited have, fines. How do you have an unlimited fine? It's like, oh, sir, you did this. You have $5 million. That's it. Like, That's it. I okay. suppose it, it varies depending on the infraction. And, I mean, you're going to have legal case law that goes, you've right. done this. I'm charging you this. Then the next judge is going to go, well, this person did this. And so, you know, and you set a precedent and then you have it. So along that vein, Jeff, I think they're still establishing it. Right. Yeah, so unlimited may just mean we haven't really set right. what's the maximum fine right now. We don't know because it hasn't, the worst hasn't happened yet. So let's put something in place that makes it so that hopefully the worst never does happen. I need, I need for that to happen because I imagine that... The worst? No. <laughs> I need for the laws to be in place because yeah, I, yeah. I know... She's a the, terrible pilot. The right. nature <laughs> of boundary pushing, right, is that kids and maybe some adults but kids especially will always try and see how close they can get to the you know right but yeah. but here's where i have an, a bit of an issue is has anybody ever tried to control a 16 year old like there's no way like 18 might be a little bit too late for the parents to still be the ones being okay, okay. caught right i think it should be like 16 or 15 sure and you're responsible. I, that's kind of, um, you know, that's just it's, a, that's it's, details. Yeah. But think of this. Okay. A drone that can exceed 400 feet in the air. Yeah. Is going to be a bigger drone. Yeah. Yes. So let's put something into place. This is just, you know, if I, if I was in legislation, this is how I would think. Let's put something into place that makes sure that the drones that are capable of that don't fall into hands of irresponsible 14-year-olds that are, hey, I dare you to go up to 600 feet. Yeah. But, or fly through the airport. But, I mean, like, on the drone zone, we've reviewed some drones that got significantly higher than 400 feet. Did we not? Any that we did have uh, geofencing. So oh, as soon as you okay. hit it, it, it right. stops. Caps it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, okay. And that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Right. I, I would rather see them put regulations in place that say... You know, uh, you know, these types of drones, you're limited to this. These types of drones can only be purchased with a license, i.e., like sure. gun sales in mm-hmm. Canada. You need to have a license to purchase a gun. 
So, I mean, you're going to go out and buy a BB gun, you don't need a license, because the likelihood of you killing somebody with a BB gun is significantly less than, say, a 30 6 Right. So, I mean, if you're going to have a drone that has the capabilities of going beyond that 400 feet, then you need to have a license to purchase this, something like that, regulations, all that kind of stuff. Part of the... I, I'm all for regulation. I love regulation. I love having rules and boundaries and boxes to stick in. But I can't help but wonder in this one, and it's exactly what you said. People are like, what's that line? Oh, can I just push it a little bit? But As opposed to treating this like the Audubon. Can, if I don't have the drone that can do that, it's not capable of it. It's not able to get that high because I'm not licensed, and so I can't buy it. Can you get it if you can't buy it? Oh, maybe. Probably, yeah, I mean, right? You can get anything. Who's going <laughs> to stop a black market of drone sales from happening? Right, exactly. And then right? it's going to affect Chinese imports and gear best and everything else. <laughs> like I, just, I just, I think that it, uh, my big uh, hiccup on this is really just the age. <laughs> I think to myself, between the ages of, say, 15 and 18, uh, children are generally already pretty good at acquiring whatever they want and hiding it from their parents. I don't think the parents should be responsible it's for that. Kind of hard them to hide a drone, point. though. It's like where'd you, where'd you keep that? You know, foot and a half wide drone, my sock drawer. I don't know. I, clearly, I don't have kids. I just imagine that they're. We're really stretching now, folks. Yeah, We're really stretching now. <laughs> A competition helping to drive development of the futuristic Hyperloop transport system has been won by engineering students from Munich. The Hyperloop idea involves passengers and pods traveling at very high speeds down sealed tunnels. The competition saw student teams from universities around the world gather in California to put their prototype pods through their paces. The idea for Hyperloop, which would see pods speed through a sealed tunnel to reduce friction or air resistance, has been around for decades and was flushed out by technology entrepreneur Elon Musk in 2012. He suggests that pods could travel along the system's tunnels at speeds of excess of 1,000 kilometers an hour. Critics have voiced concerns about the potential cost of building a large hyperloop and whether its technical demands can be met. Musk's SpaceX company has run a series of competitions to drive development of the concept. The winning team's pod hit 450 kilometers an hour on the 1.2 kilometer test track. Run by the SpaceX Aerospace Company, the competition aims to refine the technologies that could underpin the superfast transport system. The win is the third in a row for the Technical University of Munich team. This is a cool story. Uh, yeah. Super cool. Yeah. I want it. To I be... still every everything like this just takes me to Mars, and I'm like, this is Elon Musk's thing, right? And he's working on getting to Mars, so you just have to wonder, like, is this the motivation? Is this part sure of it? Is. The, yeah, absolutely. And there's always I'm an endgame. The original Total Recall and everything else, you know, like. Ah. See, I was thinking like under ocean travel like instead that's, that's cool. what well, i was thinking with it so. well, anything i mean you think a thousand kilometers an hour how quickly are you going to be able to cross the globe right it, it shrinks the world it makes us i mean way... that's faster than plane travel yeah when that's you think nuts. about it the, and to think that the competition has already exceeded 450 kilometers an hour right in their test track yeah which i'm pretty sure is more than a typical commercial jet plane is it not? it's I only think, yeah i think so their test track is 1.2 kilometers long didn't at, take long at 457 <laughs> kilometers an hour 
It's like, oh, we're done. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> that was anticlimactic. And, and stop. Yeah. Done. But yeah. right. so with this, though, a few questions, like f- from a safety standpoint, there's a few, th- like you're reading the story and two things are coming to mind. A, crashes. Oh, yeah. Like it, even at How 457 kilometers an hour, like something goes wrong, you're toast. Right. You're, you're not finishing your journey. The second thing I is... I would argue, same with planes, though. And we already do that. Okay, continue. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the second thing is sound barrier. If they want to get up to 1,000 kilometers an hour, you're going to break the sound barrier. Right. What is what the sound barrier, Jeff? Uh, s- oh, is it kilometers or miles? I think it's like 750 miles, so that's faster than kilometers. 343 meters per second. Okay, so maybe they won't break it then. Speed of sound in Because this was 1,000 kilometers? Speed of sound in kilometers. One oh, thousand. Okay. They're close. They're so just under. So just under. That's smart. But Okay, so, that is, okay, so then that moots that... Right. Concern. Okay, so here, here's where I got excited. So Dave and I just recently went to Newfoundland. We spent a week there. I loved it. I want to move there. We will move there. Um, I want to be able to get back to the We'll mainland. open a satellite studio, don't yeah. we? Yeah. Right. Um, <laughs> so could you imagine if it was easy to get from the island to the oh. mainland, right? Yeah. Oh. Lickety split. It would be perfect. I wouldn't in the Caribbean miss anything get from like from island to island right instantly. I just feel like even getting you know across the pond and going to Europe from North America if you could really do that in a hyperloop situation we could have all of our viewers in one spot there you go <laughs> True yeah that. everybody just come on over for the show exactly that's crazy I, I fear though as you mentioned accidents it just seems to like airplanes pretty tough for an average Joe person to get up to that height to cause any kind of ruckus outside of the airplane. Of course, they have things in place, mechanisms in place in order to stop people from getting onto airplanes that would cause problems. Right. But on the outside of the airplane, it would be really tough to get on the outside. Now, a Hyperloop is something that's on land Mm -hmm. or goes across land or goes under it would be a lot easier, I would expect, for somebody to with tamper. malicious purposes to break it or to sure. interfere with it. Because it's mm-hmm. on land, it's, it's easier to access. Yeah. Right. I, I see your point. Mm. Oh. Now, depending on what kind of margin of error there is in the gap between the walls of the Hyperloop and the tube itself, that could negate a lot of right. potential crash resistance. I mean, if you've got maybe, say, a foot on either side, all you're going to do is kind of ping-pong around and you're going to have some whiplash, but maybe not enough to, you know, kill people. Right, if there was an earthquake or something. Well, yeah, I mean, like... You have to account for that. Yeah, I mean, if, you know, pipe breaks and sticking out in the middle, like, you know, bye-bye birdie, but... So that makes me think, because I was was always picturing the Hyperloop and I should look up what these things actually look like in their... You're picturing like a train on a track? I'm picturing like a a hovering train inside of a tube. That's right. But I'm not picturing what's outside of that. And you're making me think that this could be like a a shock-absorbing outer... Like sure. Think, mm-hmm. think about a shock mount on a microphone. Yeah. Like on a studio microphone. Right. And how that microphone sits inside of that shock mount and can be moved around within that shock mount, and the shock mount never moves. Right. So something like that, holding the um, the tube, would make it virtually impervious to Any sort of shock crash and, yeah. and okay. earthquake and things like that. So that makes yeah. me wonder. Hmm. Chatroom is saying that Hyperloop is typically f- for shipping things, not people. 
it will be change. used for people. That will change. Mm -hmm. But that is a an interesting idea when Amazon takes Makes hold sense. of this. Making says, Amazon we will deliver versus... to the UK in one hour. Same day. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You can bake a cake here, and before it cools, it'll be That's, there. It absolutely <laughs> makes sense that companies like Amazon would get in on that. Yeah. For sure. Make Guaranteed they'll use it for people. The fact that we've already got maglev trains that are going at crazy fast speeds over in, you know, I think it's Japan or China, you know that somebody's going to go, uh, let's transport somebody mm -hmm. because it's going to make traffic oh, sure. issues go away. Oh, like, yeah. Imagine being able to bypass all the traffic going to work. I can get from here to my office six minutes and if they don't supposed to an hour and a half yeah and if they don't do that jeff you know somebody's going to put themselves in a shipping container absolutely it's they will it's just gonna happen it's just gonna happen yeah. these have been awesome news stories so big <laughs> thanks to roy w nash and our community of viewers for submitting stories to us this week thanks for watching the category 5.tv newsroom don't forget to like and subscribe for all your tech news with a slight linux bias and for more free content be sure to check out our website from the Category 5.TV newsroom, I'm Sasha Rickman. Thanks, Sasha. I'm Robbie Ferguson. I'm Jeff Weston. It's been great having you here this week, folks. I hope that you have a wonderful week. Do keep in mind, I am here next week, but these two, we've given them the week off. Guess who's going to be co-hosting with me? Mm. She's adorable. I'll give you a Ooh. hint. Oh, your wife. My wife. Becca is going to be here, and we are hosting the show together. I'm going to be looking at NEMS Linux which is my distribution. Oh, you're finally showing it. I'm yes. finally showing it. Oh, we're not here. 1.4.1. Make sure you watch from home. Um, so we've already pre-recorded the episode so that we can have the week off, and we're really looking forward to that. Any so, spoiler alerts? But be here. Well, it's going to be amazing, and we're going to show you how to obtain it, how to get it up and going, how to use it, just the yes. basics, get it up and started um, right from the get-go with this free distribution that allows you to monitor all your network assets. So if you work in IT, or if you're just a hobbyist who has a great network at home and you want to know, if a hard drive is failing, NEMS Linux is definitely something you want to check out. So that's happening next week on the show. So be here. Even though I'm not here, I am here, and there is a show. It's just that we already did it. Right? <laughs> you haven't seen it yet, but you will next week when you're here. <laughs> so take care. We'll see you. Bye. Bye.